We've been going through the book of Nehemiah, talking about the rebuilding of the walls. And the story really begins with a man who cared about God's people, a man who obeyed God's calling upon his life. This burden that God laid upon his heart, he went uh, to obey. And as we continued and we saw the rebuilding of the wall and the people coming together to work, we saw that this was a task bigger than God's people. You know, they faced all kinds of things. They faced threats from outside, from their enemies, and they faced uh, sin within their own midst, that there were some of the people who were treating their brothers unjustly, and that uh, needed to be dealt with in a way that was honoring to God in a way that was just and merciful. And so we saw that last week. The beautiful thing about all of Nehemiah, though, is that we see God is with His people. That He is working in them, that He's working through them and for them. And I hope that you've been able to see that as as we have studied Nehemiah, that you've been able to see the work of God in their midst. By um, chapter 6, verse 1, which is where we find ourselves this morning, the wall is complete, and there's only one little bit of work left, and that is the gates need to be put in place. And in chapter 6, we kind of see this Last-minute scramble from the enemies of God to stop the work, to stop Nehemiah. And yet, in the end, the nations say uh, they give glory to God because, and they are afraid uh, of because of the Lord and His help. But, you know, it's also a continuing work committed to doing a series on the rebuilding of the wall and the work is finished as far as the wall is concerned. But at the end of chapter 6 and on to chapter 13 of Nehemiah, we see much more to come, much more going on among the nation. And just as the book of Nehemiah continues... I want to remind us that our story also continues, that the work does go on, but the great encouragement of, of a uh, passage of Scripture like Nehemiah chapters 1 to 6 and this narrative of God doing the work of the wall is a, a really great encouragement, a reminder that God always finishes the work that he begins. He doesn't leave something unfinished. In chapter 6, not even the deceptive plots and schemes of God's enemies against Nehemiah can stop God's work from being completed. God always finishes the work that he begins. So if you turn to the book of Nehemiah, I'm going to read chapter 6 together. 
and consider the completion of the wall. Nehemiah 6, verse 1. Now, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Anno. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they said to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. You have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking, Their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, Should such a man as I run away, and what man such as I could go into the temple and live, I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, because, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me, because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way, and sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, O oh my God, according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son of Shechaniah, their son-in-law, 
to Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son Jehohanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. So chapter 6 ends. And you might say that's a bit of an interesting ending. You know, we can see that this work, this great work is, is accomplished and God is glorified. And yet there still remains much to come. In chapter 6, verse 1, we see that the only thing left is the gates. And so Nehemiah's enemies are a bit frantic. They hear about this and they are like, what are we going to do? We need to get rid of Nehemiah. And so in the text, we read of three uh, plots against Nehemiah, three attempts to Stop the work of the Lord and the servant of God. In verses 1 to 4, we see that their first plot, their first attempt, was to try to get Nehemiah away from the work. And their motives weren't good. It wasn't just to get him away from the work, but it was to harm him. And so they sent letters four times. They tried to convince Nehemiah to come and to meet with them at this place on the plain of Anna, which was <clears throat> somewhere off on the edge of the province of Judah, uh, a little ways away, about a day's journey, I believe. But Nehemiah knows enough about these people. They're, they're basically his sworn enemies. He knows enough about these people people to see the the plot behind their call to come together. You know, it sounds kind of innocent. Let's just meet, you know. Let's hang out and we'll talk things over. But he knows who they are and what they're about. And so in this case, he he chooses not to go. Um, because he sees their their desire was to harm him. You know we're not told the the reason why uh, why they gave uh, for meeting doesn't tell us why. But this call to come meet with us, come join together with with us, has been one that's used by many of the enemies of God. The world really wants nothing more than for God's people to leave behind God's work, you know, what in whatever manner that may be, whether they need to harm you or simply dangle the bait and get us to follow it. And what does Nehemiah do in this situation? He's very clear about his priority. I have this important work that I am doing. This is the Lord's work, and I'm going to do what the Lord has for me to do. He understood his calling. 
And like Nehemiah, we need to, to understand what it is that we live for. Is my goal to, to please the Lord in whatever I'm doing? Do we see the importance of the gospel? Do we see the importance of the truth that we stand for? And um, you know what? There's nothing wrong with getting together with people. You know, it, Jesus, the Bible says, love your enemies, right? So you love somebody, you're hopefully meeting with them in some way, right? Interacting. But if coming together with someone means compromising the truth or neglecting God's calling on our lives, then we shouldn't do it. No matter how noble sounding something is, we need to uh, not let the world distract us from honoring God. So they tried to distract him. They want to, to harm Nehemiah. And when he doesn't listen and he's focused on the work of the Lord, their goal is again to intimidate. They go back to threats, but they make it a little bit more real against Nehemiah. Sambalat sends a fifth letter, but this time it says it's an open letter. And that means that it was a letter that everybody could and anybody could read. So when the messenger would travel through, it wasn't sealed for Nehemiah's eyes only. Don't know if they were intentionally spreading the rumors or not. But this was the rumor. And the rumor was that Nehemiah was going to make himself king of Judah. And this was a lie that they made up. Nehemiah could have been afraid, you know. What if the people believe this? But he answers simply. He says it how it is. This isn't true. This is something that you've made up. And then he prays, Lord, strengthen my hands. There's a time to be silent in the face of opposition. In this case, Nehemiah, he doesn't really argue. He just simply states, you know, this isn't true. There, there's no, he wasn't frightened by it. And he prayed, Lord, strengthen my hands. Because he understood that this was meant to frighten him. But he trusted in the Lord and in the Lord's strength rather than dwelling on his circumstances, rather than becoming frightened by the letter, he turned it over to the Lord and gave it to him, praying for his strength. We have a third plot in verses 10 to 14. And when threats don't work and distractions don't work and plots don't work, well, they, they tried another plot. They <clears throat> hired some of the prophets. Uh, Shemaiah and Noadiah are mentioned, and there were apparently others. And they were hired to, to lie 
to falsely prophesy and counsel Nehemiah. In verse 10, we read, Shemaiah said, we need to meet in the temple and close the doors because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you by night. And so, so he's trying to trick Nehemiah into responding sinfully out of fear to run away, to disobey the law of God, to make a fool of himself running to the temple and shutting himself up. But Nehemiah wasn't fooled by, by these prophet, prophets because he knew something. He knew that running away and that entering the temple was the wrong way to respond to a fearful circumstance. He saw that this was a lie because it went against God's word. He knew that he wasn't allowed to enter the temple, just, just even at fear of his own life. He wasn't willing to do that. He stood firm in the face of fear. Because he knew the word of God, because his faith was in God. Again, he doesn't look at the, the possibilities, the future. He's not afraid of the future because he trusts in God. And it's important that we know the word of God, that we don't give in to the uh, the narratives of the world, the lies of the world that play on people's fears. There's so many possible things we could believe and be afraid of in life. So many things. May not, you don't have to face necessarily the fear of, of somebody trying to kill you to face fear. But we can know the truth of God's word. And we don't have to respond out of the fear of man, fear of suffering, or of the future, or of rejection. We can respond out of fear of the Lord, trusting in His Word, that as He says, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Um, and so all of these plots, all these attempts, whether it's intimidation and threats or playing on your fears or um, trying to distract us, to pull us away. None of these things will stand in the way of, of God. Nehemiah knew his calling and he knew the truth. He wasn't distracted by all of these things because his aim was to please the Lord. And he knew clearly the God that he served, a God who's faithful. You know, the amazing thing to me, all of these attempts to frighten Nehemiah and the people, and in verse 15 and 16, who is frightened? It's the very nations who are trying, who are seeking to frighten God and His people. That's the work of the Lord. 
Because they saw that God was with his people. He was helping them. He was enabling them to do this work. And they praise, well, it doesn't say they specifically praise the Lord, but he's exalted by the fact that they are amazed, that the nations are humble before God. It's a pretty amazing way to end. God has finished the work that he began. The wall is finally complete. And then the last few verses of the chapter are, are pretty anticlimactic. You know, chapter divisions aren't inspired in Scripture, but I think that this whole chapter fits well together because it illustrates for us that even if the work is done in, in, in one area and in one sense, the world doesn't really give up. You know, there's still a fight going on. Sometimes I think, oh, I've won the war, we've won the battle, and Jesus has. But then I, I forget, I'm still living life. There are still going to be struggles in, in what the calling that God has called me to, to, to live for Him. And so at the end, we read about Tobiah, and he's using his influence to, again, to cause Nehemiah to be afraid. And yet, there's no need to be afraid because God is going to continue to be with them. And if we were to continue on in the book, we could read about the keeping of the Feast of Booze, this, the reading of the law, the covenant of the people. And we read about just this continuing struggle of the people. Some of them went back to intermarrying with other people. Uh, nation, people of other nations. And Nehemiah continues to be faithful in his calling to govern the people of God. Um, but even with all the reforms that Nehemiah accomplished in his life, you read through to chapter 13. At the end of his memoir, still left hanging. What is going to happen to the people of God? And you know, this book is the last narrative history we have of, of Israel and of Judah until the coming of someone far greater than Nehemiah. Someone who could truly bring to fulfillment the work of God. And in Galatians, it says that in the fullness of time, Christ came, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem his people. We have this wonderful hope of the one who will build his church on a foundation that is unshakable, foundation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, the good news is a lot greater than God just building the wall of Jerusalem. God's work is a work of reconciling the broken world to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the good news is that Jesus the Messiah came 
to be the propitiation for our sins that and the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation means that God satisfied the punishment of our sins so that we might be forgiven. The good news is that Jesus became sin, though he never sinned, so that we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God. And how does one enjoy the benefits of, of such a gift? The Word of God tells us to repent and to believe, to turn from our sins to God and trust completely in the work of Christ, who died and rose again as we sang. We sing, I am forgiven because you were forsaken. I am accepted because you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. And that's the gospel. And those who know the Lord through faith in Christ can say, I am a part of God's work of redemption. You can say, I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. This is the wonderful hope and the calling that we have in, in Jesus. And so when we look at the work of the wall that was rebuilt and God uh, being faithful in that small uh, way in comparison to the great news of the gospel, we recognize that the world is going to continue to plot against and intimidate, lie to, try to play on the fears of the people of God. But like Nehemiah, we can respond in faith. We can trust in the Lord who remains the same even when the work before us may seem like a mound of rubble. Just as God finished the rebuilding of the wall, God will finish building his people into a dwelling place for himself. We need to remember that in the midst of fears and threats and the total uncertainty that is in this world, there is the certainty of the Lord who will help his people. There's so much more to the story of God's people. He has each of us here for a purpose. There's more opposition that our little fellowship is going to face as we seek to be faithful to the Lord and to reaching people with the gospel message here in our community. But God continues to build the walls of his church. His spirit remains with us as our counselor and our strength. So I would encourage you 
to look to the Lord, to remember that he is our helper, that we would pray to him, calling for him to move in our midst, to seek to please him, because that is when we will stand steadfast and immovable, when we remember the Lord's presence with his people, the Lord's faithfulness to his work. It's when our gaze is fixed on Jesus that we will not fall. And the world longs and is fighting to keep us from seeing him, to keep us from seeing our God. But we can always look to him and trust in him and remain faithful because he will not fail us. We may fail, our strength will fail, but God never fails. I was encouraged this week as I read some of the Psalms and I read Psalm 126 verses 5 and 6. And This is a promise that we can, uh, can trust in. The one who goes forth weeping, who bears seed for sowing, will come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. We remain faithful to God's work, sowing the seeds in whatever way that God has for us. We can trust that uh, may seem as a time of sorrow, Time of tears, mourning, hardship. But the the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, we look forward to the harvest that he will bring. The book of Nehemiah is, first of all, a testimony that God finishes the work that he begins. He will, he will do it. So don't give up. Let's continue in the work of God's kingdom because God always finishes what he begins.